Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. Well, all right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. Well, listen, I think we're going to take a break from um, Ukraine and Russia. Um, We're going to get back to that because it's very important, very critical. But I want to talk about something else that's uh, hitting the headlines. Uh, and it's something that is really a mystery to a lot of people. And for what it was for me as well for a long time until I really uh, started looking into it. Um, and that is the subject of inflation. Now, don't hit stop or change the station or whatever. This is a very serious topic and it impacts every single person listening and all the people that aren't listening. And I think it's important to dispel some rumors about inflation. Um, And it's also important to comment on some of what people are talking about because there's a lot of myths out there about what inflation is and what causes it. And Right now, they're talking a lot about supply chain and demand or supply side. There's just a lot of jargon. But I'm going to give you a real simple definition. And then we're going to talk a little bit about it here and there. Really, as as it pertains to comments on uh, these other people's commentary on the subject. But inflation, and I think I've said this on the program before, is simply an increase in the money supply and or credit in the system. Let me say that again. It's an increase in the money supply or credit in our monetary system. So there's basically two ways that that money is increased in our monetary system. One is commonly referred to as printing, uh, which is not actually printing um, there there is a mechanism that takes place to make it quote unquote legitimate um, but it's really not that legitimate uh, it amounts to well let me see if I can describe it and then you're welcome to go investigate this yourself and uh, you could probably, um, learn a lot about the subject if you just uh, read uh, either Ron Paul's book In the Fed, which is very short um, and explains it well enough. Uh, but if you really want to dig in deep and learn the history and all the political corruption around it and, and just everything about um, money mischief, as Free, uh, Milton Friedman called it, you should read The Creature from Jekyll Island um by um, uh, G, uh, e, G. Edward Griffin. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Uh, escape me there for a second. And that is a very good book and very, very comprehensive. But essentially money printing is when the treasury says the government would like to spend money. Okay, And let's say the, the money hasn't been taxed, but they want to spend money. Well, they can, quote-unquote, borrow on the credit of the United States government. And the way they do that is they create something called a treasury bond or a treasury note 
or a treasury bill. Any, any of these things are all borrowing, all these things that they mention that start with the word treasury. And what they do, uh, that's a pretty piece of paper that has an eagle on it and says a trillion dollars or whatever. And they hand it to the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve runs what they call open market operations. And in these open market operations, they sell that piece of paper to investors all around the world. And real money flows into the Fed. The Fed transfers that money to the Treasury. Now, this is essentially like writing yourself a check for a million dollars. You don't really become a millionaire when you write yourself a check for a million dollars. And the reason is because the million dollars that you wrote the check when you write that check out, there's nothing really behind it. And the reason there's nothing really behind it is because there was no real value created uh, for that million dollars. And so therefore it doesn't really exist. The same mechanism though happens in our government, believe it or not, that actually does happen. Now, the second way the government creates money is by loaning money through the banking system. So when a bank loans you $100,000 to buy a house and you spend the next 30 years paying on it and you pay back the, the loan. If you go look at a, um, an amortization, you'll see that, uh, you would roughly spend about 300,000. Well, not today, but in a normal interest rate environment, let's say six to 7% interest rate on a, on a hundred thousand dollar loan, you would end up spending about three hundred thousand dollars on that house, not including taxes, and so that's an additional two hundred thousand dollars that's created in the money supply, and this is how money is created in our economy. Now, on the other side of money, what do we what do we buy with money? We buy goods and services, right? And those goods and services are produced by the free market, and so. There's a balance there, right? There's a balance between the amount of goods and services produced and the amount of money and credit that exists in the economy. And basically, what the government does is it constantly intervenes into this balance on the side of money. Now, what does this mean, really? Well, what they do is they track something called the CPI, or the Consumer Price Index, or the PPI, the Producer Price Index. And they track prices and they tell us, you and me, that if, if there's little or no inflation, or said another way, if the inflation rate is 0.1% per month or 0.2% per month, then there's essentially no inflation. But another way to look at it is if, if the economy is constantly producing more goods and services and we're becoming more and more productive all the time, shouldn't prices really be going down? If the money supply were constant, prices would be going down. They wouldn't remain flat. And so essentially what is happening is the government is stealing from us constantly. They're constantly stealing from us. They're constantly taking, uh, they're creating money and using that money to bid resources away from us uh, in the consumer market or any, it doesn't matter what market, uh, that money is being used to redirect to government ends and not consumer ends. And this, this reduces our standard of living and ultimately steals from us over time. And this is the big problem with inflation. And 
supply chain this and demand that. And people have tried to explain inflation a hundred different ways to explain all these different things that happen in the economy. And supply and demand is very simple, basically. It, it, it's, it's the price at which the supply of a good clears the market entirely. That's, that's the price where supply meets demand and clears the market. That's the market price. And really all this stuff, when you really break it down like this, it's, it's very simple. It's not complicated, but I just want to, I want you to, we're going to start with CNBC because this is the financial network and you, and you would think, well, surely they know what inflation is and surely they know how to talk about it and understand it and know how to educate us, the public, right? They're on TV. They must know something. Well, Let's play a few clips and let's comment on it and let's see what they really know about inflation or about anything for that matter. People were freaking out over last month's number. Now we've got one that's even higher. Is it as bad as it looks and sounds? Yeah, I don't see anything inside the report like we often have that kind of says, well, maybe you should take this with a grain of salt. I think you should take this uh, exactly as it appears, which is it's a bad number. Inflation is high. And the, the trouble is, I, I don't see much relief, uh, at least in the next several months. Uh, and the reason is because there may be some things that are, are yet to uh, catch up or be caught by this uh, uh, Consumer Price Index report today. Uh, what we had today was higher energy prices, higher food prices, uh, higher used cars. You laid it all out just perfectly before. Um, apparel prices are up. Even airline fares are up. I thought maybe there'd be a little relief, and there was just a little, from the Omicron wave maybe reducing, and it did. Uh, 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 hotel prices came down a little bit, but that could come back. And so the problem that we we have here is that there's a series of uh, of events that have uh, led to higher prices. So that was Steve Leisman of CNBC uh, Financial Network fame, and there's not a lot to criticize here. Um, he he lists a whole bunch of things that are up, which we all know. I mean, that's you don't have to be in the news to know that all those things are higher in prices. And then he goes on to talk about the CPI and it's a bad number and all this stuff. And then he goes on to talk about a series of events that have led to this. And let me just tell you, we don't even need to go into the series of events. He's going to talk about the Omicron variant, and he's going to talk about government, essentially. But he doesn't talk about any of the things I just spoke about, which are increasing the money supply or expanding credit, both of which the government are doing and have been doing now for 10-plus years maybe longer, really since 2000 uh, in, w in one degree or another. And so this is what's causing inflation. And the reason it's probably spiking, and there's no way to really know, but the reason it's probably spiking now is because we did shut down the economy. And so the, the amount of goods produced uh, went down momentarily and you know, the, the money supply that we're, is chasing those goods and services and the credit is, uh, is high, really high. But it's not going to take just a few months because usually when inflation comes, it takes a while. Um, unless we have some sort of massive deflationary event. But, 
but uh, you know, in other words, if if a bunch of loans start defaulting or something like that, that could reverse inflation pretty quickly. But that would also be bad. Um, but anyway, he does he doesn't really offer any solutions, and uh, he talks just tells us what's going up, and we already know that. Uh, and he talks about a bunch of things that he thinks are the cause of the problem, and none of those things are the cause of the problem. When people uh, call in sick because of uh, having the virus, it reduces the supply of goods to the economy. Uh, we have a problem with wages going up. We have a problem with commodities, and our, our ports and supplies are backed up. And I just don't see any relief from that anytime soon, uh, even when it comes to gas prices. Sometimes they spike and they start to come down as you have an increase in production. We don't hear OPEC uh, increasing production very much. So I'm afraid this number is bad and could get worse before at least the forecasts are it gets better towards the end of the year. So, Jason, overall, do you agree? Is the situation going to get worse before it gets better? Do you see any reason to hope? Yeah, in short, what Steve Leisman, economist Steve Leisman, is talking about is the government wrecked the economy because it wanted to create a COVID crisis. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, why would the government want to do that? I have no idea. But we literally lied about the numbers for an entire year. We lied about the threat. We lied about the, uh, the effectiveness of the vaccines. They lied about uh, the seriousness of COVID. They kept people masked. I mean, they did all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, why did they do that? I have no idea. I, I don't even, I can't even fathom why government would want to do any of that stuff. And all I can say is, thank God we've got federalism. You know, thank God that, you know, we had places like Florida that were just saying, we're not doing that. Or Texas, some degree, was saying, we're not doing that. And then we could look at the numbers between Florida and other states and go, wow, the numbers are the same in Florida as they are in California, basically. And California's way on one side of the policy and Florida's way on the other side of the policy. Bottom line is government shut down a lot of the economy, shut down restaurants, shut down all kinds of things, and then printed a bunch of money, loaned a bunch of money, not just to uh, people buying houses or whatever, but to themselves. We loaned tremendous amounts of money to the government so the government could turn around and write checks to everybody. And this is very, very inflationary, especially if you knock out, I don't know, 20, 25% of the economy or something. So yeah, this is very uh, troubling situation. And it's probably not going to get better by the end of the year unless, uh, again, we have some sort of very deflationary uh, event. But what I would say about that is um, we're probably not going to have that because the dollar has been going up. Uh, the U.S. dollar has been going up now for a, a pretty good while and it looks to me like the dollar is going to turn down and start going lower. And that's going to just exacerbate the problem because we, we import so many of the things that we consume that we have to buy those with dollars. And if the dollars aren't worth as much, that stuff's just going to be more expensive. Uh, for a lot of folks, uh, Jason, the Fed is where they look. You know, the, they're in talks about trying to get in front of this. The White House obviously wants to get on top of this. What needs to change? The Fed has now focused on inflation as the main problem we have. And inflation, remember, these prices are rising faster than wages. And so workers are losing out. 
The Fed is laser focused on that. They're going to be raising rates in March. I expect they're going to be raising rates at every meeting this year um, unless something changes and what's going on in inflation. And slowly that'll bring it down. Well, at least they bring the Fed as the primary culprit. I mean, that's saying something. Uh, and I think the Fed's going to continue to get um, scrutiny over this. Um, they, um, they've they been protected more or less politically up until now. And I suspect it'll get worse for the Fed. Um but the the thing the thing to remember is once inflation the inflation genie is out of the bottle then you have things like the expectation of inflation and this is very 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 hard to control and it takes it's going to take a lot more than a quarter point here and a quarter percentage there and you know the fed's going to have to really really raise rates in fact they're probably going to have to get ahead of the market in terms of raising rates right now, the, the market is way ahead of the fed. And in fact, that's, that's an important point to bring up. The, the fed doesn't really, the fed only sets the overnight lending rate between banks. They really don't set the market rates. The market rates are set by like, you know, all other prices by interaction in the bond market and the demand for bonds, um, that are bought and sold on the market. And uh, the most important interest rate is the 10-year treasury, the 10-year interest rate. And you'll hear that talked about is, is called the 10-year yield. And the 10-year yield right now is just under 2%. But for a long time, it was, man, it was like 0.2%. So it's gone up quite a bit. And it's probably going to go up higher. Now, if we get a big market sell-off or something like that, then the interest rate will go down because a lot of money will flee into um, these quote-unquote more safe assets like the treasury yield or the treasury bond. But um, but there's no real easy cure for inflation. Um, inflations of the past, some famous ones like uh, here in the U.S. In the, in the 70s and 80s, early 80s, and the inflation uh, a little bit before that in Japan, these took years to, to get under control, like five years. And um, there's it's not going to be a, a real easy solution. Exa with the one exception that if, if somehow this whole thing flips around and creates, you know, somehow massive deflation is created. But you'll know that that's happening when you start hearing about people defaulting on loans or businesses defaulting on loans or businesses going bankrupt or people going bankrupt then you know there's going to be a lot of loan defaults, and that, that's a sign of deflation. You know, the White House finally got some good news. They had a fantastic January jobs report. The president has been touting the best jobs growth in 40 years, but what are they saying now? Well, Chris, this is the mixed bag when it comes to the economy right now. And Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about what they were anticipating in these numbers during yesterday's briefing. She said, look, we are bracing for a report where inflation is going to be above 7 percent. So that's what they got. She is stressing that outside forecasters predict that eventually over time it will start to decrease and moderate. To your point, Chris, the window for that to happen politically in order for the administration, for Democrats to feel emboldened heading into the midterms needs to happen quite soon. So will that happen? That 
is the question mark. We know that back in July, President Biden said he expected that these inflationary figures would be temporary. And now the fact that we are getting yet another very difficult report suggests that that prediction just was not right. This is kind of the part that irritates me the most. They're not concerned about inflation or how it's impacting you or me. There are, they're just doing the political calculus. How's this going to play in the November elections? Uh, they don't really care at all how much you're having to pay for eggs or bacon or gas or bread or any of that stuff. It, it's just really annoying. And, uh, of course, you know, at the end there, she talks about how Biden said that he expected these inflation numbers would be temporary. Like, what the hell does he know about inflation? The guy can barely walk and talk at the same time. I don't, I don't see that he really has anything to say worthwhile about uh, inflation or anything else for that matter. We will hear from this president a renewed push for Congress to pass parts of his Build Back Better plan. They make the case here at the White House, if you lower the costs on things like child care, prescription drugs, health care costs, that these prices will start to come down overall. It will start to really get at the heart of what is driving this inflation. But again, all of this taking place against the backdrop of the 2020 midterms. And so the timeline is quite urgent, Chris. So there you have it. Just more evidence that it's a political thing uh, for these politicians. And that's their job, right? They're politicians. But, you know, look, anything that the government does to reduce child care costs or medical, you know, drug costs or any other costs that uh, Americans are having to deal with is just going to be some other kind of intervention. And that's not going to reduce inflation. That's, that's just going to be a price control that's going to cause some other market dislocation. That's, that's all we've got going on here. We've got, we've got interventions by the government, and then we've got dislocations in the market. Dislocation is just, what I mean by that is, is it's causing some disruption in the market that then leads to other uh, interventions or, or needs, need to intervention. So if I, if, I do, if, if I do A and B happens, well, then I do C, which then causes D, E, and F to happen. And this is the, this is the nature of interventions. Uh, there is no wise overlord, uh, you know, uh, like the Wizard of Oz, uh, pulling handles that that can wisely navigate the economy for America. No, that's not that's not how America works. America works because there's billions and billions of transactions every day, every week, every month that guide people's actions. And, and what they buy, what they sell, what they invest in, what they buy to make their products out of, and all kinds of things. I mean, it's just it's so complicated. There's no way the government, the government, it's, it's like ch- it's like a dog chasing its tail. It's never going to catch it. It's never going to catch it. And uh, to even try is just fruitless. And it just it becomes theater for the news to talk about and for us to worry about and things like that. So. Uh, there is no government solution to inflation other than don't print any more money and change the banking system so that it's not a fractional banking system or make it less fractional. Like instead of having only, I think they only require like three or 4% of the money that uh, to be in the bank. So like if you, if you look at all the deposits and that the bank says they have, only like 4% of it is there, 3% of it. The rest of it is all loaned out in the economy.
And so that's the creation of credit. And if you want to uh, reduce that, if you want to reduce inflation, what you need to do is change the banking system in, in such a way that uh, you can't loan out money that you don't have, which is essentially what the banking system does. So it's just... It just seems like a circular kind of problem that the government works on. They don't really ever fix it because they don't really understand what causes it. And it's not even so much that they don't understand what causes it. They don't want you to understand what causes it. So they try to keep you in the dark about what's going on. All right, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to move to Fox Business. And we're going to hear a little bit about um, from Art Laffer on David Asman's show and it's somewhat intelligent, but it's still, he, he kind of lets it leak there about what causes inflation kind of in the middle. And I'll make sure I point that out. Joining me now, uh, Art, great to see you, first of all. And, uh, you know, I, in Thank addition you. to the fact that price stability, making sure that your dollar today is worth just the same as it is tomorrow or a year from now is their number one job. And they miss that number one job. It's interesting that Powell said he underestimated the supply side of all this. I mean, he didn't he underestimated the 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 fact that the the 11 million unfilled jobs was going to have an impact on inflation essentially. Let me translate this intro for you. Um, Chairman Powell underestimated how much he could steal from the American public without them knowing. If you listen carefully, he talks. He, he starts off first talking about price stability. And, and I told you earlier that, uh, that if, if prices are flat, that means the government is stealing from you imperceptibly, okay? Prices in a, in a growing economy should drift slowly down. This is, the nature, this is the nature of our economy. This is the way it happened during... Um, uh, the 18th century and the, uh, the, the late 17th century and the early 18th century. Prices generally went down as we became more productive and more and more people entered the economy and, and the division of labor got more complicated and, and uh, the products got more sophisticated, uh, the production processes got more sophisticated and so on and so forth. Prices came down. This is what should be happening as we produce Teslas and I mean, just all the goods and services and all the different things that we do in the economy, prices over time should be going down. You should be able to put money in the bank and go to sleep for 20 years and wake up. And even if you have the same amount of money, which you should have a little bit more if they're going to pay you interest, but even if you have the same amount of money, that same amount of money will buy, should buy more stuff 10 or 20 years in the future under a normal operating economy. So even if prices are steady, so even if there's no inflation, the government is still stealing from you. That's what you got to realize. It, it's just it's just math, okay? It's just simple math. Yeah, l let me just say this, if I can, David, uh, for both Janet Yellen and and Powell, Jerome Powell. You know, th they didn't miss it for the reasons they say they missed it. They have a model that doesn't forecast inflation accurately or well. They don't have a good model there. And so therefore they puff the numbers 
which is really the wrong thing for government agencies to do. You know, understatement is always better than overstatement. Being more cautious is always better than being less cautious. And they were less cautious and they overstated the case for price stability substantially. And they really don't know what causes inflation. They don't have a clue. So Art Laffer is right. The, the government missed it. But they missed it. I get the sense that he's misappropriating the reasons why they missed it. They missed it because their model, so to speak, it can't predict what the economy is going to do. The economy is too complicated. There is no model that describes the economy. And for that matter, there's no model that describes global warming. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Uh, these are way too complicated. These systems are way too complicated to, to predict like that. And uh, what they underestimated or overestimated, depending on how you look at it, is I guess they underestimated how easily it would be to steal from the American people. And they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar and inflation got out of control. And now they don't want to admit that they're the cause of it. They want to blame it on supply side this. And that's what Art Laffer's pointing out that, look, the reason's not, this isn't the reason they're wrong. They're just wrong. And he's right about that. But he, he's given them a little bit too much credit um, uh, for, you know, the, the bigger picture, I guess. Not because they didn't, they didn't know, and yet they still talked about it. And that's something that these people should not do. It leads to distrust of government, and that's a real problem, David. So you can see one of his top concerns is that it leads to distrust of government. Well, you should distrust government because they do lie to you all the time, propagandize you. The, the truth is, I mean, Art Laffer's a really nice man, I'm sure, and, and very smart, and he's made a good career, you know, uh, uh, pontificating about economics and um, these types of subjects. But, but the reality is, Art Laffer, he kind of benefits from things like the Fed and um, demystifying it, but not really demystifying it, you know, being an expert to talk on about it, talk about it, but not really reveal too much about it. I mean, that's kind of his job and he benefits from that. And so he's just in a, in a weird kind of roundabout sort of way, he's kind of part of the problem, just like Steve Leisman is and all the other economists that come on TV and talk to you about what the Fed needs to do and this, that, and the other. The, the Fed needs to stop printing money is what it needs to do. And it needs to start, stop borrowing money. Art, you and I had a great friend who unfortunately passed away. He was the editor of the Wall Street Journal named Robert Bartley. When I was working for Bob Bartley, yes. he said, inflation is very easy. Too much money chasing too few goods. It's that simple. On yes. both sides of that equation, too much money, clearly they've been monetizing the deficit, buying up all of these deficit spending bonds that the Treasury's been issuing and printing money in order to do that. That's the, that's the one side, the demand side. On the supply side, uh, the fact is, is that you have so many people not working, uh, you have so few things being made, that makes each individual thing worth more. Yeah, you know, he kind of gets it here at the beginning. He says there's too much money chasing too few goods. And that's, that's kind of the long and short of it. I mean, that's the simple explanation for it. But then notice he goes on and he says, he talks about, um, you know, when there's, when there's demand and the supply is down, then that makes everything worth more. 
it's not that it's not things it's not that things are worth more it's that the money that you use to buy those things is worth less and the reason there's it's worth less is because there's more of them think of it like this let's say i had let's say i had a small shot glass full of marbles well then those marbles if i was going to trade them with some other kid they would be maybe you know somewhat valuable to me i might be careful about how i trade them right what if I had a 55-gallon drum full of marbles? I might be a lot more frivolous about trading those marbles, right? It's just because there's more of them. And so, to me, the marginal cost of an additional mar a marble is nothing. I've got a whole barrel full of marbles. And, and that's the way economics works. Everything's done on the margin. And so, when you have more dollars uh, floating around the economy, that means on the margin those dollars are worth less. And, and since we use dollars to buy things, that means it takes more of them to buy the things that we want. And that's what causes inflation. Uh, the Fed has made money so easy to obtain that there's no way you can restrict inflation if it starts by pulling back on the monetary base. There are no reserve requirements. There are no limits to the expansion of the money supply in the U.S., period. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to cause it, but it doesn't mean it mean, does mean that it can't be stopped by doing that. Yeah. So we have a lot of things going on. And what bothers me most when I hear Powell and, and Yellen speak is they're talking gobbledygook. It's this and that. It's oil. It's this, Bob. You've got this. It's the harbor in San Pedro. It's so Art Laffer kind of lets the cat out of the bag, right? He's talking about the Fed has made money so easy to obtain that it's it's bound to cause inflation and there's no way to stop it. And, and what he means by there's no way to stop it is there's a, it has to do with raising interest rates and then the, and then the banks um, uh, loaning money out of the reserve requirements and things like that. But there's just, when you're, when, you're, when you're at what they call the zero bound, there's no movement, there's no ability to do anything uh, that, that would uh, incentivize behavior in the other direction. And this is, this is why inflation is so hard to put back in the bottle once the genie's out. But, um, you know, again, he, he's frustrated, you know, with, with the way the Fed talks. And, and there's actually a word, there's actually a phrase for this. They call it Fed speak. And they, they intentionally talk in circles and use strange terminology and people spend a lot of time really focusing on one word or some, you know, single word or a couple of words that get removed from their statements and stuff. It's ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. And uh, it's just a mechanism designed to steal from uh, the productivity from the people. That's all it is. And if you have any doubt whatsoever uh, go on Getter, G-E-T-T-R, and follow me there on Who Gets to Decide. I posted a, a meme. I guess it's a meme. I've never, I don't think I've ever posted a meme before, but I posted a meme, and it's got five quarters on it. And these five quarters represent the minimum wage in 1964, which was $1.25 an hour. Now, the five quarters also represent one ounce of silver. Okay. So one ounce of silver in 1964 was $1.25 and five quarters was $1.25. So one ounce of silver and five quarters were equal. Today, 
five quarters, if they had an ounce of silver in them, would be worth $25, meaning that same minimum wage, a buck 25 an hour, if we were still on some sort of um, bimetal standard, uh, in other words, uh, uh, some sort of money standard that the Fed couldn't create out of thin air, uh, then that, that same person earning those five quarters per hour would be able to buy in the economy today, right now, $25 an hour worth of goods and services. Now, my question to you is, where do you think that difference went? Where did that, where did that $25 minus $1.25 go? It, it was wasted by the government. It was stolen in productivity from the American worker and flushed down the toilet by the government, spending it on wars and bombs and welfare programs and all kinds of crap. Okay, that's, that's the reality of the situation. And it doesn't matter how much Fed speak you put around it. Eventually, if that inflation gets high enough, people are going to have a problem and they're going to know something is wrong. And, and as far as I'm concerned, the Fed deserves whatever it gets. Uh, it, it lies to us constantly. And all these people on TV, they just go along with it. There's maybe a handful of them on TV that don't go along with it. But the vast majority of them go along with them because they all have fat salaries and, and they don't care because they're getting paid big bucks. And, you know, what do they care whether or not productivity you know, the, the average worker out there is keeping up with productivity. They don't care. So, you know, it persists. And what we need to do is we need to end the Federal Reserve. Something, you know, there is an inflation issue that's overall, it's not only in the U.S., it's in other countries as well. We have an inflation problem in this world, and we don't know how to stop it, but we do know things that we could do to make it better. For example, less expansion of the monetary base. That's exactly what you were saying. Number two, don't spend that bill. Don't give people lots of money to create demand. Mm -hmm. Another one is don't restrict oil. Have the supplies there so that oil prices aren't the generator. Wage demands are a great big thing. Don't raise minimum wages. Don't raise taxes and get people to move out of the labor force. So here's another example of just a rare moment of truth coming out of uh, a guy who's usually in the business of keeping us all confused, but he's a pretty good guy, Art Laffer. He basically says, look, don't expand the monetary base. Don't increase minimum wage. Min look, minimum wage, the, the problem with minimum wage, again, I just gave you an example of silver. You know, the minimum wage at one time when we were on a, a bimetal standard was $1.25 an hour. And that same buck twenty-five an hour today would buy twenty-five dollars an hour worth of goods and services. So it's not the minimum wage. Okay, that that just proves that it's not the minimum wage. Yes, the minimum wage today is lower than twenty-five dollars an hour. But my point is, if we had, if we were on some sort of gold standard or silver standard, the minimum wage and that twenty-five dollars an hour would be the same. It would buy the same amount of goods and services in our economy. Now, just to prove this point again, if you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average and you divide it by gold, in 2000, it took almost 45 ounces to buy one share of the Dow Industrial Average. Today, it takes about, uh, about six ounces of gold. 
so what does that mean? I mean, the Dow's higher than it's ever been. I mean, it was higher at least a month ago. It was higher than it's ever been. But in terms of gold, it's almost lower than it's ever been. <laughs> so we are losing our standard of living. I mean, that's what that's telling us. And the, where it is going is the government's flushing it down the toilet and the Fed is making it all possible. The Fed is also making all these wars possible. Um, we wouldn't be able to spend, we wouldn't be able to spend 20 years in Afghanistan and 10 years in Iraq and all this kind of craziness. If we, if, if, if the government was having to tax us to pay for it all, it would never happen. We just wouldn't pay. We wouldn't put up with it. So let's get rid of the federal reserve. The federal reserve is the source of inflation. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's that it's really that simple. Go read creature from Jekyll Island. It's a great book. You'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a big book. Okay. It's a big book. It's got a big thud factor. You throw it on the ground, it makes a big thud. I think it's about 1,500 pages. But it's a good book. It's a good story. It reads, it's, it's a history type story. It's really good. It even starts back in uh, the Chinese were the first people to print money and all kinds of interesting history in it. But look, that's, that's about it for today. I've, I've taken about 40 minutes. But this is an important subject, and I, and I, I challenge each and every one of you to go out and educate yourself on it. Uh, the creature from Jekyll Island is a great place to start. Maybe a better place to start would be In the Fed by uh, Ron Paul. It's it's a lot shorter book and probably a little bit easier to read, but uh, you'll be ready to move on to The Creature from Jekyll Island. You could also go read um, What Has the Government Done to Our Money by Murray Rothbard. That is, uh, that's a little bit more of an essay length Um type of document and uh, you can read it fairly quickly but these are all good reads on uh, the fed what the fed does and how it uh, it harms our prosperity so look if you've enjoyed today's program uh, please share it with somebody uh, i'd like to get the numbers up you know that's kind of what i'm here to do is to get this message out to as many people as possible uh, I believe these principles are important. I believe that we've gotten very, very far away from these principles. And we're all just going to have to get them back. We're going to have to educate ourselves back to a place where we understand these things so that we can't let these, so we, you know, we don't allow these politicians to lead us down uh, the road to serfdom as uh, uh, Frederick Hayek, uh, he has a book called The Road to Serfdom. So that's another good read. If you'll keep coming back, I'll keep coming uh, and making these recordings and trying to think up interesting topics to uh, to reveal here on the program, the Who Gets to Decide program. And, uh, you know, like I said, you can follow me on Getter under Who Gets to Decide. On Twitter, I'm under something called Middle Class Investor. Uh, it's uh, at sign Investor Class. You can follow me there if you like. But... Um, Listen, we'll keep coming back. We'll keep talking about this stuff. So let's talk a little economics 101, shall we? Now, don't worry. It's going to be fine.